at SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter. All right, I want to welcome Chantel. And Chantel is a scenario planner, and uh, she is somebody that was a part of a group of scenario planners, Chantel Ilbury, a scenario strategist at Mind of a Fox. And they looked at really our healthcare sector in its entirety. And uh, some of the recommendations here are really worth looking at and considering. So let me just welcome Chantel uh, on, uh, on the show this afternoon. A very good afternoon to you, Chantel. Hi, Pamela. Thanks for having me. Well, let's first look at, you know, how much time did you take to assess the the, the, uh, health of our health sector? (laughs) Okay, so just to contextualize, Mind of a Fox um, is a company that works with scenarios looking at at the future and then strategizes based on that. So um, we look at the current reality, what's happened in the past to get us to a current reality, in this case, the healthcare sector, and then look forward to 10 years. And this, in this case, we looked at 2030, what would the healthcare sector look like? So really, it was a process that has taken place over a couple of years around NHI, because mm. NHI has been on the table for, I think, since about 2003 or so. So we've kind of said, well, you know, what would an NHI look like? I've worked with different stakeholders in the healthcare sector. And then recently, we worked with BHF, um, Board of Healthcare Funders, and they brought all the key stakeholders in the healthcare sector together to say, right, what is the context, what's the current reality, and what's it going to look like in 10 years' time? So it's it's taken a few years iterating it over and over. So there is the, the statement that says, you know, if, if nothing, if everything stays the same, in about 11 years, we'll be looking at, at, you know, quite a serious situation. What do we mean by that? Okay, so in actual fact, um, not only 11 years, uh, the stakeholders in the healthcare sector identified that our current scenario for healthcare in South Africa is already in an ICU um, type of scenario. So we are already in intensive care. If you look at the difference between um, we've got public health care and we've got private health care, they are so far apart, mm-hmm. um, very inequitable, access, affordability, etc. So we are already in um, an ICU scenario. And I think the thing is, in 11 years time, what current reality could even get worse for the healthcare sector. And if you think of the country itself in terms of our economy, you know, you put a, a worst case scenario economy for South Africa, you're going to look at a healthcare sector that's even worse off than today. I get the feeling that by the time the Board of Healthcare funders brought you on, they kind of had a sense of what's going on. But not much has been changing in, in, in the, the healthcare sector. So we had the same minister for two terms. Mm. I mean, were we expecting anything to change? So I'm just talking to leadership here, for instance. Absolutely. And I think that this is a a critical, um, it's been going on, as you say, nothing has changed. I think partly with the healthcare sector, if you really start to analyze it, there is such a complexity in the number of players that are part of the healthcare sector. And I think that's part of the problem is there's absolutely no cohesion. Mm. Um, And then, you know, um, government uh, is the leader. It it is the leadership in defining policy for healthcare going forward. And um, we've just had an election in May. And so we've had a change of minister. And if you 
you look at the next 11 years, there are going to be two more elections. So is there going to be a consistency in healthcare policy going forward? But, but you know, that's an important part that you just raised there, uh, Chantel, around the fact that there are a lot of different stakeholders. So I, I get that. But if the structure itself and how the compartments remain the same, how the different compartments remain the same, nothing's going to change. So even if we've changed the minister for argument's sake, we still have a structure that relies on public works to get the building, for instance, properly maintained. That's not going to change anything. No, absolutely. So it's going to be a business as usual. And um, I think, unfortunately, if we really look into the future, a business as usual is not taking us forward. If anything, we're moving backwards um, in terms of capacity, leadership capacity, decision makers in the sector and implementation. Um, exactly, as you say, even around infrastructure, you know, the most basic of, of the healthcare sector. Chantal, I don't know. I'm not an expert, but I wonder if you allowed hospitals to run themselves independently for argument's sakes, whether it is clinics or to run themselves in a much more micro manner, things wouldn't be better. So Mm -hmm. without waiting for a tender system that is authorized by government and so on, you can do your own management of your own hospital. Would that kind of maybe take us somewhere? Well, that's an interesting thought. And um, one of the scenarios actually is called the waiting room, where government still hasn't really provided the leadership for the sector going forward. But the other players, mm-hmm. private health care clinics, etc., take it upon themselves to get themselves going. Um, irrespective of, of government and, and policy and capacity. So there is a scenario that could play out like that. But again, there would have to be some cohesiveness and some capacity in order to do that. And I think that comes down to resources, certainly from um, the public healthcare sector and the clinics. So, so where, where we stand now, what's the, what's the most urgent thing to be addressed right now? I think the most urgent thing, we're sitting with um, NHI, it's a bill that's gone in, it's still contentious, so we have absolutely no cohesion as to what our healthcare sector is going to look like into the future. And that is urgent because once you start getting that fuzziness um, around what the future will look like, everybody steps back and they wait. And um, I think that that's going to take us into expectations of healthcare um, that aren't being met and um, a bit of a revolution in terms of healthcare. So I think the first thing is to have a vision and clarity, which would have to come from government. I don't know. I get the feeling that part of this anxiety and this lack of cohesion is just fear. So you've got these both sides of the coin and everybody's not coming, you know, to the center because people are afraid of the unknown. We don't know. You know, we we have scenarios, but we don't really Mm. know what we don't know. Mm. Mm. No, absolutely. And, you know, fear drives incorrect behavior. And often the incorrect behavior becomes protectionist behavior. So you start mm. to see um, some people who are able to afford health care, mm. they move into a protectionist system where actually it's becoming unaffordable mm. to, you know, for anybody to, to have health care. And then you've got the other side that is protectionist um, for a different reason, and it's around access and, and affordability. But um, politics comes into that side. So, you know, the behavior, you're quite right. Fear drives incorrect behavior. I'm going to open the lines now. Let's take your calls. And I see Craig in Pretoria is on the line. Hello, Craig. 
How are you? Good, good. Thanks very much for calling, Craig. Listen, I'd like to just ask a question. It's something that's, you know, always been on my mind. Uh, you know, in order to do proper uh, scenario planning, was a baseline survey done or a baseline audit done of all the health facilities in South Africa based on a qualified set of indicators which then became the foundation for the scenario planning? Uh, may I answer? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Craig, very good question. And of course, scenario planning always has to start with the basis and it has to be evidence-based. Um, without a current reality, one can't project into the future. So in this particular instance, um, a number of things have been done in the healthcare t- sector. Ever since NHI was put on the table, I think there has been an audit um, around the state of the healthcare sector, both pub- private and public. I think the starting point was looking at the public healthcare sector and doing an audit on that. And that then drove NHI to put some pilot projects out in the public sector to see how an NHI could work. Now, those pilot projects have failed. So we are back to Mm. evidence-based to say, right, what is happening? So there is work. There, There is an audit. I don't say it's a complete audit at this point in time, but there is a a base point of what the healthcare sector is looking like at the moment, which is evidence-based. Can I just add one more comment? Go ahead, go ahead. Of course. Look, in order for us to get the health system sorted out in South Africa, we have to do that baseline audit. It must be based on a proper set of indicators which are well accepted. In -hmm. addition to that, one of the biggest problems, and you pointed it out a little bit earlier, is that we have to do a proper accessibility study Mm. to determine whether, first of all, whether we've got enough clinics Mm. and second of all, whether these clinics are optimally located. Until those sorts of aspects are done, Mm. we are not going to solve this problem. Yes, there's a lot of things that we can do from a scenario point of view, but this baseline and an accessibility study Mm. is foundational. Mm. Very good point, Craig. Yeah, Chantal, you want to add to that? Yes, no, I agree with Craig completely. Um, it is foundational because otherwise what you're going to do is start making decisions and correcting mm. the wrong things. Mm. And that would, you know, put us again into a worst case scenario. So location of the clinics, is it optimized in terms of the resources, the needs in terms of the areas that uh, they're being positioned in, all needs to be strategically thought out before implementation and if it's done ad hoc I think we're going to have a further problem. I, I mean agree. I, I mean Chantal and for me it is this cohesion that I think is lacking because you would have um, a clinic in Santon which is right next to the Gau train I think mm-hmm. and it's always empty uh, but I mean always empty mm-hmm. uh, hardly anybody goes in there and when you go just across the bridge to Alex people literally have to take a day off or two to go to mm. the clinic but somehow the system doesn't work because people who work in Santon can't access the clinic in Santon not because somebody's going to kick them away but because their residence proof of residence directs them to Alex and the system is such that it insists that you go to the clinic where your next of your residence is makes no sense to me 
Well, you know, that's the classic case of, as you say, no cohesion. So nobody's talking to each other. So somebody's making a decision, putting something in place, and they haven't spoken to the stakeholders either in the area or people that are all going to be responsible for it. Mm. So therefore, the consequences of the decision have not been played out before the implementation. Mm. And this is exactly what happened often in South Africa, not only in the healthcare sector, Mm. Mm. but, you know, we, we never going to go in anyway, because uh, they're not the right decisions. I mean, this would be, for for me, would be far more than just the health sector. So why is it? Do we understand why is it that government just doesn't work with its own stakeholders? So do we know why that is the case? It's it's everywhere, as you said. It's not only in the health sector. But do we now know why that is the case? You know, I think if we had to have a starting point, and, uh, you know, I'm just uh, putting something out there, Government itself is siloed in its departments, so the departments don't talk to each other. Mm. You know, Treasury with Department of Health, with uh, the presidency. So they're each um, on their own strategic missions without any internal um, cohesion there, which is required in order to put the policy in play and then help um, stakeholders to implement that policy. So I'd say the starting point is to try and get a bit of cohesion within government in terms of departments and integration. So when you present this kind of scenario, um, I don't know what kind of reception you got from the Board of Healthcare Funders, but broadly speaking, were you was people were people receptive of of some of the the, the scenarios that you put out? Yes. Look, I think the whole sector and all the players, the stakeholders in the sector, know that there is a problem in the healthcare sector that can't continue as it is. Mm. Um, The problem is nobody has got enough influence at the moment to change it. Mm. Um, So we're sitting with a a, a state of, um, well, you know, waiting room scenario, waiting for somebody to do something. And as it goes on, and this is year after year, is actually getting worse. So I think everybody understands there's a problem. Nobody, private doesn't want to start doing something, uh, bringing something to the table um, that would drop their bottom line, yep. I suppose yep. we could actually say. Yep. And um, then public don't want to put something because, again, it's talking to the people. They've just had the election. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's about a, a bit of political talk. So, um, yes, everybody knows it's an ICU. Nobody knows how to change the scenario to something like the Clean Bill of Health that we've talked about. And it is going to take 10 years to, to get to that situation. It's not an overnight fix. Does it have to take 10 years? Because, I'm, you know, it would take 10 years. Does it have to take 10 years? <laughs> no. If you've got very strong leadership That's and it. a clear vision, it doesn't have to take anywhere near 10 years. So... Uh, you know, I'm going to ask you an unfair question. The buck stops with government. <laughs> and it would be in everyone's favor if all of us were happy, right? So I'm still not connecting the dots. I don't understand. They've been very clear that this is not going anywhere. So the national health care insurance, health insurance is not going anywhere. That's from government side. So why are we not seeing real movement from their side? Mm. Well, it's a hard question, and I can't answer it. Yeah, um, I, I'm not in I so. <laughs> in the inner circles. Yeah, but 
from my point of view as an outsider, for a country to be a winning nation, and that's exactly what we are trying to, you know, put into play, there are two things that are critical. It's your health care and it's your education. Mm. So um, pipeline of skills and the health of the, the citizens and the nation. So to be honest, that should be prioritized in terms of government and the, the correct resources and what keeps coming up about NHI, mm. uh, that puts it back on the back burner, is how is it going to be funded? We've got a very small tax-paying base, so it can't come from there. Um, and I think that requires some innovative thinking mm. um, and capacity and it is going to have to come from government linking with the key stakeholders so therefore again cohesion they have to talk to each other form some kind of small group that can start taking it forward let me ask you this Chantel I mean from what we've just been discussing we this thing cohesion keeps coming up mm. and and I wonder though if perhaps we have a cohesion problem even internally in government do you think all stakeholders within government, let's forget about the private sector now for a minute, have bought into this. Absolutely. Um, you know, I would almost say the flag is, for example, I'd say Department of Health mm. and the minister there has bought into it. Mm-hmm. Moving on, I would say Treasury is against it because it's a financial and they yes. you know, don't know how it's going to be. So even there, there's no cohesion. Sure. Quite correct. They're almost pulling against each other. So therefore, we haven't got anything concrete around NHR, what it's going to look like, will the whole country have to pay for it? Will it only be, you know, applicable to certain? Will private sector be able to play in? Um, questions still unanswered and it comes from internally. All right. I just want to read one or two uh, SMSs here. I won't read all of them because I think the question I'm going to ask you is that, does that ring true? So the one says, Laiki Ndlazi says, only government can change it. Okay. She says, I don't see it happening. I I think like he was saying, the fact that things are going to move, he's saying, no, I don't see that happening, but um, only government can change it, but seems as if they don't care about the health system of our country. If you think of going to government, hospital or clinic, it's a disaster. Mini Me on Twitter also says this is a future of the income tax, which is progressive, but we have no public sector health to be proud of. What will happen on Roto Gravio income tax and health provision levy and confiscated medical aid contribution contributions? You'll get nothing in return. So the sense I'm getting from some of these tweets and emails and SMSs is that there is no will. So there, there is the perceived will. So people mm-hmm. are saying there's a will to do this, but peop, you know, from where we stand, there is no real political will. Do you agree with that? I do. I have to say I do agree with that because it all comes down to political will, putting the stake in the ground and actually start actioning and implementing instead of the rhetoric which is all about the politics and what we're going to give you. And I think the South African citizens... In general, everybody, inclusively, are saying, you know, you've said that, you've said that, and we're not getting it. Mm. We, It's getting worse. So we don't believe that something's going to happen. So we actually need to see some action, something small, something in a rural area that actually starts to work. Um, don't try and solve the whole country at the same time. Do some little smaller things and, and build from there, but do it. Okay, Chantal, you've given us, what, <laughs> 10 years uh, to to find ourselves, you know, at the ICU unit as a health sector. Um, and you've also said, well, in fact, I want to review that and say, you know, we're already there. Are you optimistic about our future, though? <laughs> 
I'm always optimistic. <laughs> I, I I look for flags that shows that something is working. And um, I think in this particular case in the healthcare sector, all of the talent and the skill is there. Mm. And it's really around the communication um, that needs to start taking place. So I'm always optimistic. I'm optimistic about South Africa going forward and starting to really look at some policy certainty and, and take our, our country clearly into a future. Um, so, you know, let's, let's see if those dots connect because they'll all play into where healthcare is going to go. Chantal Elbury, a scenario a strategist at Mind of a Fox. We are talking about the healthcare sector. Is it in ICU yet? If you ask somebody with a medical aid, they'll say maybe not. If you ask somebody who has got no option in the middle of rural South Africa, they'll tell you it's been there for a while. I'd like to take your comments on that one on 0891 104 207. It's now two o'clock.